This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So uh, I just fucked around and watched a kill count for It Chapter 2. Um, like I was ready to record Spooko about 10 minutes early and I was like, all right, how can we, how can we prep for this show? How can we continue on theme? Because I do feel like Sometimes we get a bit distracted from this being a horror movie podcast where I'm meant to be getting into my fear of horror movies. And so I was like, look, what's a fairly gentle one or one that I formed a view is pretty gentle? It Chapter 2, Shag, strikes me as one of the more gentle ones of all time. And if you watch it at 1.5 speed and minimize it down to a really small corner of your screen and just watch the kill counts... It looks really unscary and really boring at that tiny corner of my screen when I was sort of half doing work, half getting ready for Spooko. So basically, problem solved. I'm not scared of scary movies anymore. It's good. I mean, that is a really good way into it. And I'm glad you brought it back to the thesis Mm. of this podcast, which is that we can help you overcome your fear of horror movies and help you enjoy them through Mm. this very limited exposure therapy which I know from talking to people online that a lot of people are going through the same journey with you. So I'm glad you brought it back to that because at the end of this episode today, I want to show you a really disturbing image. But this podcast is all about consent. So I'm asking you straight away and I will ask you again, once you know kind of what's in this image, if you're cool to have a look at it. So you don't have to answer now. I'm just saying at the end of this podcast, I'm going to ask that of you. Is that okay? It's okay to ask, yes. I consent to being asked. All right. Okay, all right. (laughs) Let's switch gears because one of the cool things we love to talk about is Mm. TikTok. Oh, Uh, yeah. And Spit Syndicate. And Spit Syndicate. (laughs) But mainly TikTok, right? And I, I work in an industry where TikTok's a big thing that people like to talk to. Brands like to talk about it. Mm. Agencies like to talk about it. And I think it does, as a social media, it does three things really well. Mm. One of those things is it enables people to be creative rather than just share boring stuff. Like at its core, it's about getting people to make stuff, not just share things, which I think is interesting. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The second part is it, it has become almost like an information source, especially for Gen Z. Uh, and whether right or wrong, because you know some of the information is not fact-checked or right, <laughs> but for, for, things like, uh, for things like dentistry, for things like dental care, for yep. things like money management tips, all of these things, yep. it's become an education source, which I think is really interesting and probably something that a lot of the other social medias aim to be, but then became like Facebook and they were just sharing like Trump content to boomers <laughs> and uh, have lost all their credibility. TikTok's getting close to that FYI, but, but, go, but go ahead. <laughs> but then the final thing mm. is it's incredibly good at reviving awareness and in some cases the careers of old media from music to tv to films things can die and then just come back to life come back into the charts come back into the public consciousness just by being shared on tiktok 
Paul Keating has like lived a second life on TikTok. Like the algorithm just serves me so much old Keating being mean to John Hewson content. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, Pete, here's that time when he t- talked about the wet newspaper. I'm like, oh, yeah, do it to me, TikTok. For, for people who aren't aware of Australia's political history, Paul Keating was a relatively successful Labor Prime Minister. So a highly successful like, Treasurer and then a mod- moderately successful Labor Prime Minister. But I think really famously, and I'm going to try and get this right, because mm. this is like one of those one of those moments where I think a lot of people, a lot of politicians probably wish they had a moment like this in yes. their life but never got one, where the opposition leader kept saying, why won't you call an election? Call an election now. And he said, because I want to do you slowly. <laughs> Like, like, holy shit! <laughs> no, but like, he's always going in. Like, one of the one of the best lines was on John Laws, and in 1991, Shag, as you might remember, was the I think it was 91, the Mabo decision about about land rights and and the first peoples of Australia fucking finally um, having been invaded, um, having their land rights acknowledged by the white system of law um, imposed upon them. And so Paul Keating was on talkback radio on a, on a reasonably conservative talkback presenter's program, John Laws. Shag, I think's dead or like, who gives a shit? But he was on there and he's getting calls from people being like, well, I don't like the idea of people stealing my land. Yeah, it's my <laughs> farm and I fucking bought it. And Paul's like, look, have you read the judgment? Like, you know, have you read what they said? It's like, well, no, like I haven't read it, but you know, like I know what it says. Well, it's like, well, like he's interrupting. It's like, well, hang on. So you haven't, like you haven't read it. It's like, no, it's like, well, so you've got nothing important to say. You've got nothing to contribute to this conversation. Is that right? <laughs> like, and the caller's like, well, I, I mean, I was just talking genuinely about land rights. It's like, no, no, you've got nothing to say about this. You, like, you, haven't, you, like, you, haven't, you haven't looked into it. I have. Like, just hang up and go away. Goodbye. And he just went ham. And it's a very attractive thing, I think, because people rarely do it in public life. Don't know how he lost the 1996 election, but, you know... Shit happens. John Howard happens, as we learned at the time. And uh, here we find ourselves. So not only has it revived the career of Paul Keating, uh, it has also revived the memory Mm. of a early 80s slasher film that could have just been a copy of Friday the 13th, except for one particular scene. Now, the reason Uh... we're doing it today is because, uh, shout out to friend of the pod, Abs, who reached out and just said, and I'm going to read a message. TikTok just made me look up the final scene of Sleepaway Camp on YouTube. And since I won't be able to sleep for the foreseeable future because of it, I thought it'd be perfect for a Spooko episode. Peach, because you are a lovely, polite dude and is, and is often manning our Instagram. You were like, oh shit, thanks. And then I replied because you're like, I'm like, lol, you, you actually don't know what's coming to you. I'm like, no, no, Peach, you have no idea what's coming to you. So, so today we are going to do a film called Sleepaway Camp. And before we go to the trailer, I just want to read you something from an article that Collider put out in 2018 about how, I think it was on the 35th anniversary of this film that come, came out in 1983. <sighs> and the article was basically like why 35 years on, this twist will still completely fuck you up. And it it quotes an essay that creates a word around something that we've talked about here before. You know, when we talk about those images in horror that stick with you, that just stay in your brain? Mm. In this essay, they call it the monumental horror image. And here's an excerpt. The things you see in images like these aren't brandishing a chainsaw or bearing a mouthful of fangs, but something about them feels completely terrifying anyway. It's not just scary, it's wrong. Like you're seeing something that should not be. 
Why monumental? In part, because subjects of these images are horrifying more for what they represent than what they actually do. In most cases, they don't do anything but stand there. So today, Peach, and shout out to Abs for the suggestion. Today, Peach, we are doing a slasher from 1983 called Sleepaway Camp. Oh, I think it's going to do it to me slowly, Shag, this one. <laughs> Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at Sleepaway Camp for almost three weeks, and I'm getting very scared. Welcome to Sleepaway Camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Sleepaway camp, you won't be coming home. So long as we're thinking about old media, I feel like old trailers have a really weird tone. It's like, we're going to kill you. And it's like, well, <laughs> it's like, don't kill me. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm coming to watch the film. Like, aren't I? <laughs> but the other thing is, they often contain warnings that's like, don't go to sleepaway camp. It's like, cool, I won't watch the movie then. <laughs> it's like, sounds good. Or it's like a reverse psychology or like a rapper bragging. I'm like, nah, you suck. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> All the old trailers have got bars. They've got heaps of fire bars. It's good. Hey, apropos of nothing, remember mm. when there was a flex and it's in the MTV Cribs era of uh, rappers when the flex was you never wore a pair of socks twice? So anytime you wore a pair of socks, oh, you threw them away and then opened up another pack and wore them. Oh, do you remember the really depressing Wheezy Wednesdays MTV Cribs where like Wheezy's clearly like hungover or feeling bummed. He's like, hey, MTV Cribs, there's my bedroom. Your girl slept there last night. Anyway, like, <laughs> and his heart's just not in. <laughs> his heart's just not in the disc. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, obviously my girl didn't sleep there last night, Wheezy. Like, you're exhausted. <laughs> Just be good to yourself. I, I really, really, really hope Lil Wayne never gets cancelled purely because he he's the epitome of just actually, like, I actually not giving a shit. I genuinely believe if Lil Wayne was not famous and didn't have money, he'd be living the exact same life. Yeah. Like, he just does whatever. He looks exactly, I, he must be like 75 now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, he's our parents' age, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, like, he had a whole career before Drake had a career. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, yeah. and, and yet he looks exactly the same. He just does things. He, like, he still raps the most insanely dumb but amazing things. Green Room is, like, one of his best ever verses. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that was three weeks ago. <laughs> how do you do that? Like, it, it just made me realize it's like Lil Wayne has never cared about being cool. Ever. Like, he genuinely oh, well does what, And, like, that's why sometimes the things he does, people are like, oh, Lil Wayne, and then five years later, everyone's doing it. Well, yeah, like, I remember that I reviewed the him and Eminem show at the SCG, which just sounds like a sentence from <laughs> <laughs> from another world in 2011, and it was, like, it sucked. But 
like he had like a 45 minute support set and there was just like a four minute like half pipe demo in the middle of it of like all right guys <laughs> i bought some of my skating mates along <laughs> we're gonna do some skating and 2011 was not a cool time for skating like everyone was like oh geez this is pretty corny <laughs> and yeah he just didn't care he's like oh i like skateboarding so we're gonna put some in here all right okay so sleepaway camp 1983 yeah, Something I realized as well mm. when I was doing like, you know, the, the very cursory amount of research I do you know, that I have the time to do before each episode. Mm. Is do you make the time to do? You have competing priorities. We all have the same amount of time, Shag. It's fine. We're is, not busy. We choose to allocate our time. Exactly, exactly. Is, is that the reason why these films were shot in places like camps and secluded cabins is because that's the cheapest way to shoot. Like, if you shoot something in the city, you've either got to get permits, which are expensive, or you've got to get extras, which is expensive. But if you shoot in just some secluded town in the middle of nowhere with a place that you might not even have to tell, you might just rent a place and not tell them what, I mean, I imagine now you would have to because the internet's really easy to track things. But there's a reason why you would shoot something in and entirely set something in a holiday camp because it'd be like the cheap, especially like if you shot it just after holiday season when the place is not being used, like the, the cheapest thing to shoot, right? Anyway, so these films, Great these thinking. slasher films that came out around the early 80s, they're all sort of influenced by Friday the 13th and Halloween, all incredibly cheap, all basically the same film. So they had to do things to set themselves apart. And this film... Abs, I'm not looking forward to this last line. I'm not I'm not feeling good about this, but yeah, all right. So this film had basically been forgotten until pop culture writers and people on social media were like, um, do you remember this twist? Because it's really fucked up. <sighs> and so, yeah, so I'm really happy to do this one today because, yes, for most of this Wikipedia synopsis, you could basically guess where it's going and then yep. at the very end, you just will just be like, what the fuck? <sighs> so, Pete, you ready? I'm sort of humming along with moderate anxiety now, but I guess that's I guess that's where you want me. I guess that's where Pennywise turning into a very unconvincing large 1.5 speed spider. Oh, the um, fucking gonna... spider clown at the end is so dumb. I hate it, wasn't it so even much. Scary or no, cool or good? No, no, it was. It it could have been a monster in the Harry Potter films. Yeah, it looked like Ursula from uh, Little Mermaid. <laughs> it, it does it does holy shit yeah it yeah. is fucking ursula from the little mermaid that's yeah. why the new film sucks so much holy shit that's yeah and, and there is some coding like i guess it's more like gender non-binary coding like he like he, it's not meant to be a it's not meant to be a male identifying baddie i don't think but but in any case that like there's some gender fluidity i think with uh, pennywise as well yeah and that's nice but anyway look if you want to know more about it, part one and part two, uh, they're episodes somewhere in our 90 episode history. Yeah, fucking, we've done heaps for free. <laughs> like, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, okay, 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 okay. So the film starts in 1975 with John Baker and his partner Lenny taking John's children, Angela and Peter, on a boating trip near Camp Arawak. Angela and Peter prank their father by capsizing their boat. <laughs> Classic. Every, every prank sucks. I hate all pranks. Just doing something mean and being like, oh, there you go. <laughs> they attempt to swim ashore where Lenny is waiting for them, but camp counselor Mary Anna recklessly strikes John and one of his children with her speedboat, leaving just one of John's children alive. Yep, okay. Fucking, so, yep, we've got a death, okay. But also, there is, every one of these films includes, like, speedboating accidents. I would never swim in a lake. 
Why would you swim in a lake with boats? Ugh, yeah, like soupy, slightly warm lake water. Mm. I just, why don't you go to the beach? I know, we're very lucky here. Yeah, but okay, yes. yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Coast, <laughs> let's, let's check our coast privilege. <laughs> we should really check our coast privilege. <clears throat> All right, eight years later, because we're now in 1983 when this mm. film was released, Angela now lives with her eccentric aunt, Dr. Martha Thomas, and Martha's son, Ricky. Aunt Martha sends Angela to Camp Arawak for the first time, along with Ricky. Classic patriarchy line of, like, educated, intelligent woman is weirdo is a classic way to keep uh, empowered smart women down. Fuck you, uh, writers of this show. Happens in law a lot as well. Any, like, good female barrister, even, like, up to 10 or 15 years ago, was like, yeah, she's a bit weird, you know? Mm." (laughs) That's so fucked. It's fucked. All right. So Aunt Martha sends Angela to Camp Arawak for the first time, along with Ricky, who had attended the camp before. Angela's introverted nature makes her a target for ridicule and bullying, mostly from her bunkmate Judy and their counsellor Meg. Angela's... And her counsellor, that's so fucked. Angela's... uh, Keep in mind, I watched the kill count for this. I was like, I'm not going to watch this whole film. I know exactly... I've watched the kill count and the final scene because every review of this film is like, it's a terrible film until that end scene. So I was like, cool, I'll take your word for it. That is the path to endorsing pedophile directors, I must say, just as a just as a highlight. Like I'm all about shortcuts. I'm all about eighty twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yes, yes. You're hundred percent right. I'm, so I've got some anxiety about that. But see how we go. Now, Angela's other counselor Susie and the camp's head counselor Ronnie do what they can to help. A cook, Artie, attempts to molest Angela. Jesus, this is a fucked camp. But Ricky catches him, and Ricky and Angela run out. Later, an unseen figure causes Artie to knock over a pot of boiling water and scald himself. Camp owner Mel Costick calls it an accident. Ah. So was there a whisper of revenge there in, that, in the tone of that? Yeah, there, okay. There's clearly supposed to be a whisper of revenge. <laughs> when campers Kenny and Mike mock Angela, Ricky and his friend Paul fight them. Paul befriends Angela. When Kenny drowns, his death is ruled accidental at Mel's insistence, although Ronnie and police officer Frank express doubt. Paul asks Angela to attend the film. I love with him. the okay. power of this camp of this of this camp manager being like, this is an accidental <laughs> death. Go away, police. <laughs> I've ruled <laughs> I've made my findings. And the police are like, look, I've got my doubts, but yeah. okay. Like the coroner's like, nothing no, nothing for me to see here. So my, my the camp council has pulled rank, so uh, the coroner's done a spooko being like oh yeah look it all looks fine now meanwhile there's been a scolding incident there's been a death but Paul yep. asks Angela to attend a film with him after mm-hmm. campers Billy and Mike throw water balloons at Angela Billy is stung to death when someone traps him in a bathroom stall and drops a hive of wasps in it Mel suspects a killer do is wasps in the camp. live in hives? they do like smaller hives okay cool we, we, we sometimes have wasps hives in our house. I feel like the expression wasps nest exists. And oh, I... yeah. Sorry, they're nests. You're right. You're right. Like, I'm just like, what the fuck are we talking about here? <laughs> look, sorry. Wikipedia contributors, they look good on them. Well done. Now, Angela and Paul's relationship is strained when Paul kisses her. Angela has a flashback to when she and her sibling witnessed their father in bed with Lenny. The flashback goes further, showing both of the siblings pointing to another whilst in bed. At this point, Angela wakes up from the flashback and recoils from Paul's advances and runs away. 
Yeah, I'm having just a tiny bit of trouble following that. Yeah, okay. So so Angela's remembering her dad and his male partner, female partner, having sex, and she walks in with the sibling. Sorry, I've just lost grip of that. Yeah, I yeah. Look, to be honest, I doesn't matter. All right, it's fine with she's me. Had, she had some trauma. Um, yep. And there's some there's some skullduggery happening, sexual skullduggery happening with the parents and their friends. Yeah, okay. Uh, that you know that they were privy to as children, which has caused her to not be great with intimacy and, you know, have a fight or flight me- mechanic whenever it arises. Yeah, good, 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 good. Okay, I understand. I, like, I just want to be fully informed for this twist. I just want to be prepped for the twist is where my head's at. All right, okay. So because of that, Judy seduces Paul and Angela finds them kissing. Paul sorry, attempts- sorry, sorry. Be- like, because of Angela rebuffing Paul's advances, Judy's like, oh, well, Judy see. swings in, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Paul attempts to explain himself to Angela at the lake, but Judy and Meg shoo him away and throw Angela into the water. After Ricky rescues Angela, children fling sand at them. Ricky comforts Angela and swears revenge on her aggressors. You okay? So Meg is then stabbed to death in the shower while getting ready to meet Mel. At that night's social, Paul apologizes to Angela and she asks him to meet her at the waterfront later. Oh no, this is the, this is the triggering event. You okay? Mel finds Meg's body and is convinced that Ricky is the killer. The children who threw sand at Angela and Ricky are camping in the woods with their counsellor Eddie when two of them ask to take them back to the main camp. He returns to find the four remaining children hacked to death with his hatchet. Back at the camp, the killer enters Judy's cabin and murders her, raping her with a hot curling iron while smothering her with a pillow. Oh, God! Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I I did not expect that to come through. That did not show up in the kill count. Oh, God, okay. I, I mean, again, 80s horror films treated rape as just another, like, horrible thing a killer could do to people. Uh, is the twist worse than that? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. The camp is thrown into a panic. Thinking Ricky is the killer, Mel beats him mercilessly, only to be shot in the throat with an arrow by the real killer. Okay. Frank is called and searches with the counsellors for the missing campers. Paul is at the beach with Angela, who suggests they go skinny dipping. Frank discovers Ricky unconscious but alive. Ronnie and Susie find Angela sitting on the beach and humming with Paul, whose head appears to be resting on her lap as she strokes his hair. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, yep, yep, a bit of a ruse. Okay, Okay, I'm back. So a flashback shows Aunt Martha welcoming the survivors. We fucking hate flashbacks. We're an anti-flashback podcast. Like, surely it's lazy storytelling. Like, Hugely, of course. It's like, filmmaker, if you wanted us to know this, just like, show it to us in chronological order. Like, surely. So a flashback shows Aunt Martha welcoming the survivor of the boat accident into her home. Um... It is revealed that Angela died in the accident. Aunt Martha took custody of Peter, her brother, and she raised him as a girl. <clears throat> Back in the present, Angela leaps to their feet, holding a hunting knife, allowing Paul's severed head to fall to the ground. Angela stands nude and blood-covered before the horrified Susie and Ronnie and growls like an animal. That's the end of the film. Revealing her penis. Yes. But, 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 okay, so here's the thing. So, so, So what's happened here is this character, Angela, is, is a boy raised as a girl, which I think now is like quite a contemporary take on the fact that you shouldn't enforce gender roles on anyone, really. Yeah, like, so you, you... She's, she's a person with a penis who identifies as a female. I understand, yes. No, no, she's a person with a penis who identified as a male but was raised as a female. 
But if you flip that around and go, if you identify as a female and you're raised as a male, that's only going to cause problem, like psychological problems on you. Oh, sorry. And so, but she now identifies as female, does she not? Well, I think the 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 the, the thing that's fucked about this is she is basically a, a monster at the end, right? <clears throat> okay. So. The final uh. image, the the reason why this final image and this final twist is not so disturbing, not even because of the twist, because it's basically Psycho, right? Psycho at the end. Yeah, that's right. He's the talking mom. about his mom, but he yep. was actually the mom and blah, 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 right? The final shot, which Ugh. I'd like to share with you, if you'd like to see I it. Consent, fucking. Uh, so, no, no grudging consent. Enthusiastic consent. Yeah. Consistent enthusiastic consent. Shag, I understand what you're going to show. I'm nervous, but I want to go ahead and I feel well-informed. Now, 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 th- now, this is just a still. And what the director did, he took a shot of the actor who was a young woman's face and put it on a grown man's body. And it's just like, the effect is quite well done, but it's also very uncanny valley in the fact that it's like, I shouldn't, this, is, this, this image is wrong. Like, and not wrong because it's, you know, a female like face with a penis. Wrong because it's like that head doesn't match that body. This feels goofy to me as you explain it. Oh, I don't think I'm well prepared for this. All right. Do you want to have a look at this image now? If you're listening to this, feel free to look this image up as well. Just look up Sleepaway Camp Final Scene. Sleepaway Camp Final Scene. All right. I'm going to click on it. It's uh, just it's a All right. I'm not, I'm not looking at it yet. Okay. Let me have a look at it. Oh. So that, that body and that head uh, are uh. two different people. And that's the final shot of the film. Uh, Did we not see her in a bikini earlier in the film? It's not a perfectly made film. And in all the reviews, they're like, there's so many plot holes and this twist doesn't make any sense. But it's the twist that everyone remembers. That's that's, it. I think it's the whites in the eyes that are quite well done. Like it's quite well lit and quite well, and and they, they did her hair very well to do the gluing a head to a body. And so Shag, you've seen the end of it. The end of it is like, yeah, here's a still. Yeah, no, no. So it's it's basically this shot. It's a slow sort of uh, zoom out, and then it. I think that the whole screen goes like green, and then that's the end of the film. And. And up until this point, she'd just been sitting there and you couldn't really see because it was quite dark and you thought that was just Paul resting there. But you're like, something's wrong. Something's not right here. Uh, Well, I mean, horror is a a genre that shames, like, I mean, it's it's shame promiscuity was step one, wasn't it? And it's Mm. been a misogynistic uh, and a racist. uh, Happily, it's occasionally been socialist, which is good fun, but... Uh, it's been a problematic genre. This, are we to take from this that the uncertainty of Dr. Martha trying to transform a person born with a penis to someone who identifies as a woman has caused this person to murder others at the camp where their sibling died? Is that what we are to take? Yeah, and I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's like, it's, you know how sometimes, you know, there's all those like Twitter accounts or, you know, meme accounts that it's like conservatives getting owned or like leftists getting owned or whatever, right? It's yeah. like, it's that thought where it's like, I feel like unwittingly they're proving the point that you should never enforce 
agenda role that you decide on so and whether that's society deciding that everyone born with a penis has to like trucks and wear blue mm. or in this case you're a crazy old like woman doctor and you miss your daughter so you're do- just going to raise your son as a woman same deal applies you shouldn't enforce gender roles on people who aren't willing to it identifies that. So this is a fable. This is a this is didactic. This film is a. Ch- <laughs> I mean, you could maybe re- maybe you could recall like fuck. Maybe look. Oh, I don't God. know if what I'm saying is like fucked, but I'm just saying it's like potentially this is less problematic and actually like a proper fable on like why we shouldn't be so tied to gender roles. And in fairness, you couldn't really have this twist in a play. <laughs> Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? I asked the Prime Minister, if you are so confident about your view of fight back, why won't you call an early election? The answer is, mate, mate, because I want to do you slowly. I want to do you slowly. No, no. I know. There's got to be a bit of sport in this for all of us. No, no. There's got to be a bit of sport in this for all of us.